Hello, online family. My name is Matthew Malik, and I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge. We are so incredibly glad that you chose to tune in to the Refuge official podcast today. We believe the message you are about to hear will inspire you in a very meaningful way. We believe the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work in your life. And we believe that you'll hear from him today. Please enjoy. So this morning, the title of the message is Hope Wins. We're starting a new series, as Michaela said. And in particular, we're talking about winning over fear. Are you ready for the word this morning? Uh, we're going to pray in just a little bit, but I really desire for you to allow the truth of God's word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to truly minister to your heart, to inspire you this morning to, to greater commitment and devotion to Jesus Christ. When we talk about hope wins, uh, hope will bring wins into your life. Uh, in fact, Helen Keller, I just want to quote a statement that she made, hope sees the invisible feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. Now, coming into 2021, the Lord gave Deb and I a focus of living in hope as, as kind of like a theme for this year. And I believe that is truly a directive for the church. Uh, hope, we understand, is future expectation. In Jeremiah 29.11, the prophet spoke and encouraged, encouraged the people of Israel that, he would, that God would give them a future and a hope. Um, people are perishing because they have no hope. For the, for the believer, our hope is found in Jesus Christ. In him alone, our hope is found. In 1 Peter 1.3, we see that according to his great mercy, that he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I believe that this living hope allows us to fulfill the John 20, 21 words of Jesus. If you just want to write that down, John 20, 21, it kind of fits with this year. In John chapter 20, verse 21, where Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. See, we need to be as sent ones to minister hope to a world without hope and bring to them the truth of the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.12 tells us that at one time we were separated from Christ, having no hope and without God in this world. We are having, I believe, some great hope wins this year. We really are. We're seeing God do some amazing things. And if you haven't had a hope win, get ready because it's coming. Uh, Robert Schuller, he made this statement. I'm going to share a few quotes uh, this morning in my message. He said, let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. Let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. So many times we're allowing the hurts to, to dominate our lives, and it's shaping the future. Romans 15, 13, which is a, a prominent verse that we've been sharing with you this year. Romans 15, 13 states, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. If we're going to live in hope, we need to abound in hope. And so let's join our faith together at this time as we pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you, and we give you praise and glory for the opportunity to minister your word. 
I thank you for those that are in this auditorium, for those who've tuned in online. Oh God, that you would minister to them right now to give to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That they would come to know the hope of your calling in the inheritance of the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Now, let me make this statement. To win at something implies there's a contest, there's a challenge, there's a conflict, or there's a fight. If you're going to win at something, you're going to see all those things possibly come into play. Now, we realize that the Bible instructs us to fight the good fight of faith. Now, I like that passage because a good fight implies that we're going to win. A bad fight implies that we're probably losing, okay? Uh, but 1 Timothy 6.12 states, um, in the English Standard Version, it says, fight the good fight of faith. What a charge for the believer. There's a fight involved in this thing called Christianity, in this thing called walking by faith. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Notice it goes on to say, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I believe the time when you confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, that confession sets you on a whole new path, a no, whole new purpose and destiny for your life. And there were those that witnessed that as they see the changes that have taken place in your life. But there's a fight involved. See, some are losing the fight of faith because of doubt, because of disappointment, because of despair, because of hopelessness and unbelief. But I believe some are losing the fight of faith mostly because of this thing called fear. And we want to address fear. We want to talk about winning the, the battle over fear, winning over fear, because some of you deal with fear in your life and, and you've sometimes let it get the best of you. But God wants you to get the best of it, to overcome it, and be victorious over it. We need to uh, understand that um, mostly because of fear, uh, people are losing this fight of faith. In fact, because fear is the polar opposite of faith. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum. And either you're walking in faith, moving in faith, or you're walking in fear and moving towards fear. And so we need, and my encouragement today is for you to begin to walk more in faith and, and, and understanding some of these principles. And so there, there are these, this, I just want to make the statement, wins and losses. There are wins and losses in life. Every sports team and athletic sport has a win and loss record, Right? Uh, and, and in fact, uh, Green Bay Packers, their record was pretty decent this year, although they did not end up in the Super Bowl, which we were hoping they would. Uh, but anyway, everyone in life has a win and loss record as well. See, we celebrate our wins, and we can learn from our losses, as painful as they may be, okay? Winston Churchill stated, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. So staying in the game, 
Staying in the fight is so important. And my challenge and encouragement to you is not to give up. Don't throw in the towel. Hang in there, okay? Uh, help is on the way. Now, even though everyone suffers losses in life, we are in it to win it and not to lose. Or at least we should be. So many people, they don't have a winner's mentality. See, we compete to win, not to lose. In fact, we compete, as for believers, the battle is spiritual. There's a spiritual conflict that's not against flesh and blood. We see in Ephesians 6 that it's against principalities, spiritual uh, entities in heavenly places in the unseen realm. So there is a spiritual battle waging that we must fight. In fact, it's a defeatist mentality. But we must understand that as believers and followers of Christ, we must embrace a winner's mentality because Jesus won the greatest victory for us. Amen? Do you believe that? In fact, I believe, well, we can see it in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, but thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is given. He gives it to us. But will you receive it, okay? In Romans 8, 37, I don't have a slide for that one, but it says we've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, life can be viewed as a competition, yet we're competing and contending with an unseen enemy. His work is evident and it's manifest, corrupting human hearts and lives in the world that we live in. We're in this race, but we need to run to win. First Corinthians 9.24, look at that with me if you would. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. Okay, everyone's running. But only one person gets the prize. And the encouragement from the Apostle Paul in this passage is, so run to win. Uh, the scripture goes on to say that requires some discipline. That, uh, it, it requires us embracing God's purpose so that we can win this race. Now, winning over fear, let's talk about that. Where did it start? This thing called fear. Well, fear started in the Garden of Eden, right in the beginning, in the book of Genesis. In the very first book of the Bible, the first man, Adam, after he sinned, hid himself from God. Because of fear, he hid himself from God. It was because of his shame and his, just what he was going through. He couldn't face God because of fear. Now, let me just define fear for you with this statement. Fear is dread of the unknown. It's dread of the unknown. It's negative expectation, which is absolutely the opposite of hope. Fear, in the general term, uh, actually is the general term for anxiety and agitation felt at the presence of danger. See, it's, I believe it's important to differentiate between the two kinds of fear. The fear of the Lord versus fear in general. Now, the fear of the Lord is a reverential fear. It's a holy fear. It's an awe. It's a respect of God. A trembling in his presence because of his holiness and his greatness. See, fear can be healthy when it's in the realm of respect. Okay? Uh, the fear of God and the consequences of sin motivates us to turn from our sin and turn to him. 
uh, and accept the gift of eternal life that he offers to us, his forgiveness, so we don't face his judgment. We should be fearful of the judgment of God. And that should motivate us to repent of our sins and to turn to him and receive forgiveness. See, there's a healthy and an unhealthy fear. Fear is a great motivator. See, in fact, fear motivated me to spend time before God in prayer, to spend time in his word, so that when I stand before you to present this message, that I'm not afraid because I'm not prepared. See, when you're unprepared, that can be a place of fear uh, in a person's life. And now there, we understand like, it, it, it's a healthy fear for you to get up, go to work on time so that you don't lose your job, so that you're not able to provide for your family. So that motivation is a healthy kind of fear. Now, there's three important things we need to consider if we're going to win over fear. Um, so if you want to write these down, you can write these down. Three important things we need to consider if we're going to win over fear. Number one, the contrast. The contrast. And the contrast I want to talk about is the contrast of love versus fear, okay? See, there's an acronym for fear. You may have heard this before. An acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real, okay? I kind of like that. Um, but I think it's, it's been out there a while. False evidence appearing real. Now, some fear is not real. Or it's only perceived to be real because we have believed a lie. Okay? Now, the presence of fear is proof that you are focusing on the lies of the enemy rather than on the promises of God. He's given us some promises that are to be believed, embraced, and received. Okay? Fear has torment that manifests itself in anxiety. And we're dealing with so much anxiety in our culture today. It's destroying people's lives. It's destroying homes and families. Anxiety is on a rampage in our culture today. And it's all based out of this thing called fear. It's a, it's a response or of fear in, in many cases. And I believe that fear and anxiety, they work hand in hand. They're like twin brothers of the same father, the enemy, okay, Satan. So First John 4.18, I want you to turn there. Look at this passage in particular with me because I believe this addresses this contrast that we see in this first point. First John chapter 4, verse 18, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, There is no fear in love. Now we need to stop and pause there for just a moment. What a powerful statement. Of truth. There is no fear in love. Uh, there was a number of years ago, and I've shared this a couple of times, but it was New Year's Eve, and um, went to bed after, you know, just bringing in the new year, praying in the new year, and I had this dream, and in this dream, Jesus appeared to me, and he was sitting on a chair. There was a table between us. I'm sitting here. And we began this dialogue. And the, this dialogue was in reference to just questions I had about uh, the church and people in ministry. And I'm having this amazing conversation with Jesus. And this dream seemed so real. And I, I believe it was. I believe I was having an encounter with Jesus. 
In fact, you know, we, we see scriptural references of, of God manifesting himself to people in a dream. We, we see that throughout scripture. But there's something that happened at the end of that dream. Jesus stood up. I stood up for my chairs. And we went, walked around the table and we embraced. And when we did, I experienced love in a way that I've never experienced it before. And what, I, what was so evident and obvious to me in that moment is that there was absolutely no fear. There was no fear in my life. Fear vanished. And I woke up from that dream, and I felt God's presence in the room. And I realized that, that, that I had just had an encounter with God. But I experienced his love in a way that removed every sense of fear from my life. Now, so there's no fear in love. It goes on to say, but perfect love casts out fear. Now notice this next phrase, because fear involves torment. Fear is a tormenting element in our lives. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, let me ask you this question. Are you tormented by fear? If you are, you've not been made perfect in his love. Because love's perfection removes the element of fear that torments our lives. And we could, we could spend the rest of our time talking just about this element. It's so important for us to realize the importance of encountering the love of God. Love drives fear away. Fear reigns when love is absent. See, that's why revelation and encounter with the love of Jesus Christ is so important. It's so essential because it, it addresses fear head on in our life. The tormenting element of fear that, that holds us back uh, and holds us down from ever achieving and accomplishing our God-given purpose. I believe a revelation of God's love is the greatest cure for fear so that you can operate in faith and fight the good fight of faith. If you're going to combat fear, you need a revelation of the love of God because it drives fear away. It gets rid of it. First uh, John 4.18 in the uh, New International Version reads this way. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives fear away. It drives it out. It can't stay. Let me ask you this question. Is fear holding you back? Does fear control your life? Well, turn with me to 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7 states, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. So it doesn't originate or come from God. God did not put fear in you. It goes on to say, But of power and of love and of sound mind. We see love there again. Love versus fear. So God did not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now that was a verse that we uh, used with our children and, and Michaela, our daughter Michaela. I think she dealt with fear um, more than the rest of our kids. Uh, other than Mackenzie, she was afraid of bugs. But um, you know, any bug um, that would show up in the house, we would hear a pitch scream and I would have to come to the rescue. And, um, but for Michaela, uh, she had a hard time falling asleep at night because she is scared. And I think it was because we, they had two older brothers that would try to scare them, you know, that kind of thing. 
uh, family issues kind of thing. But anyway, so we gave this verse to Michaela to really memorize and um, to overcome her fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. That's a passage you need to embrace, that you need to memorize, that you need to take the heart, because it will help you defeat the controlling influence of fear in your life. So what areas of does fear dominate your life? And we could talk a little bit about faith versus fear. And let me make a couple statements regarding that. Faith is to anticipate the best. Fear is to anticipate the worst. Faith is based on trust. Fear is based on lack of trust and insecurity. Fear and faith both deal with the unknown. Right now, there's so many unknowns in our culture, our society, in the future, what's happening in our nation. There's unknowns. But, and so that can generate a lot of fear, the fear of the unknown. Fear is an expectation of what you dread. Faith is an expectation of what you desire. Faith attracts what you desire. Fear attracts what you don't desire or what you dread. If you would turn to Job 3.25, because there's something about what you fear the most. What do you greatly fear? You need to identify that and deal with it. For Job, how many of you know about the guy Job? There's a, there's a book in the Old Testament called Job. It's not Job, even though it looks like Job. It's Job, properly pronounced, okay? Uh, he was a man that was quite wealthy. He feared God. He loved God. Had a relationship with God, and God blessed him in so many ways. But he lost everything. But he was a man that had a great fear. And, and to un unlock the mystery of why did all this bad stuff happen to Job, we can see it in chapter 3, verse 25. Because Job, for Job's fear was to lose his family and possessions. In Job 3, 25, it states, I was afraid something terrible would happen, and what I feared most has happened. Wow, what Job feared most happened it's a, it's a fear, it's a great dread that consumed him in a way that eventually brought out what he did not want to happen to happen. Now, the hedge was down because of Job's fear, and the enemy had the right to move on Job's fear to take his family and possessions from him. And so, uh, for me, my greatest fear was failure, and I might talk about that in a little bit. Because I was afraid I was going to fail. And now how I tried to address that, I wouldn't even make an attempt to do something because I was afraid to fail. I thought, well, I'm not going to do that because I'll probably fail anyway. And just yesterday, uh, we had some guests over. and They had some canoes out. And uh, the one guy said, would you like to hop in a canoe? Let's go for a ride. And this guy, this guy was a professional canoeist. He did the Yukon canoe trip on the Yukon River, 411 miles. Took him 61 hours to com complete that. And so I'm going with this guy. This guy knows what he's doing. I put my foot into the canoe, and it starts wobbling this way. And this fear came over me. Capsize. I don't want to capsize. <laughs> so I really, I, in that moment, I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, help me. And God helped me. I did not capsize. 
But we went out on the river, went around the island, and came back to the, to the dock, and everything was fine. We didn't capsize. But I, I had to deal with that fear. And I thought, I'm preaching on this today, so I, I need to be able to deal with this, okay? So uh, are you willing to face your fear? Realize until you overcome your fears, you're going to limit your experience in life. In fact, um, yeah, you, you can just limit your experiences in life. You're going to miss out on a lot. And so first you must identify what you fear. You have to confront fear like a wild stallion so that you can break its control in your life. See, my mom was a horse trainer. And my mom, for those of you, now she's with Jesus now. She's this little woman, I think. She was like all of 80, 90 pounds when she went home to be with Jesus. But I think, uh, you know, she wasn't much over 100 all of her life. But that little woman could break horses. And make those horses do what they needed to do. And, and, and all of us as children, we were terrified of mom when, when she was upset. We had great respect for that little woman, okay? Um, but uh, we have to be at a place where we confront our fear. You might think your fear is bigger than you, but it's not. Because it's not bigger than God. And um, uh, I got to tell you this little story. Um, from early on in my life, probably I think in my early teens, I would have this nightmare. I don't know if you've ever experienced nightmares, but the nightmare was pretty similar. Sometimes there were different circumstances in the dream, but it always was centered around a monster in the basement. Okay? And this monster in the basement was living like below the level of the basement. There was like this open place where he could come out and make his attack and all that. But I lived in fear and dread of the monster in the basement. And you know what? I have to admit that even as a pastor in years of ministry, I would still have this reoccurring dream. And I'm thinking, what is this? Why do I have these nightmares? This, was, this is kid stuff. I should outgrow this. I should have overgrown. Or, you know, I should be past this in my life. And finally, in my dream, you know, how many of you sometimes you know you're in a dream and you can talk to yourself? But in the dream, one time I'm running from this monster before he gets me. In the dream, I'm thinking, the next time I have this dream, I'm going to face this monster. And I did. So I had that dream, and somehow I'm in that basement again. <laughs> and this monster comes out, and I didn't move. And as this thing was coming out, it just vanished in thin air. There was nothing there. And I felt faith arise in my heart. And I'm thinking, there was nothing to fear when I faced my fear. Wow. Yeah. Now, I had fear of heights, I had uh, fear of bees, and I shared that kind of in past messages. The Lord helped me deal with all those fears. With a bee, I actually captured a bumblebee, and I held it in a jar, and I put it up to my eyes. And I was just like 10 years old at the time, and I'm looking at that bee, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> And, and the reason I had that fear is because I, I got about 50 sting bites because I, I somehow wound up in the bee's nest. 
And I can remember running from that bee's nest and mom had to take me to the hospital because I had all these bee stings and bites. That was not fun. I, I remember that. I was just, I was pretty young, maybe five years old when that happened. But I will never forget it. But I overcome that fear of bees because I went out to the lilacs. How many of you know the bees like lilacs? And I had that quote mason jar. And I got close enough and I captured one. I captured my fear. And then I overcame it. Some of you need to capture your fear this morning, okay? Now, so uh, another element of fear is the fear of God's call upon my life. Running from the call like Moses. Moses ran to the wilderness. But 40, 40 years later, God caught up with him at the burning bush. Moses didn't think he could deliver God's people, that he could fulfill the call because he couldn't speak. He, he wasn't articulate. So he didn't think he could do the job. He ran from his call. But you know how I overcame the fear of the calling of God in my life? I simply answered it. I answered it. I said, not my will, but thy will be done. So I went off to Bible college, graduated from Bible college, and then returned to central Wisconsin to plant this church. I answered the call. And now, what, did I still deal with fear? I did, but I overcame it by answering the call of God. Some of you need to overcome your fear this morning by answering the call of God upon your life. You failed. God's called you. You know it. You sense it. But you haven't answered that call because you're still captivated by fear, thinking, I can't do this. I can't preach. I can't minister here. I can't do this stuff. I can't be a missionary over there. No, answer the call. Franklin D. Roosevelt made the statement, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And let me just say this. Fear does not stop death. It stops life. And worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. So you have two options with fear. Forget everything and run or face everything and rise. The choice is yours. Rosa Parks made this statement. I've learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. I'll read that again. I've learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. It's other, in other words, you do the right thing. You stand up for what's right and just. And that she did. Number two, and, and we need to get through these last two points pretty quick. We have communion. The command. The command. The first is the contrast. The second is the command. And the command is fear not. Fear not is a command with a promise. In fact, it's the most frequently command in the Bible, the fear not. It comes with a promise. See, it's that whenever we come face to face with fear, we are to fear not. We're not to f fear. Uh, and it's because we're not facing it alone, because God is with us. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, 
for I'm with you. That's the command. Fear not. Why? Are we able to not fear? It's because he's with us. For I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, we're to obey this command. Uh, I tell you, uh, there's a couple other scriptures I'm going to share with you in regards to this. In Psalms 56, verses 3 and 4, this gives us a directive of, of how we address and deal with fear in our life. Uh, when I'm afraid, Psalms 56, verse 3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Verse 4, in God whose words I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So asking the question, what fear is trying to take a hold of you right now? What threat or troubles are you facing? You can pray this prayer with David, and you can fill in the blank. When I'm afraid of blank, I will trust in you, O God. When I'm afraid of failure, I will trust in you, O God. When I'm afraid of lack and poverty, I will trust in you, O God. Just fill in the blank. When I'm afraid of, put, put your fear in there, then follow it up with the statement, I will trust in you, O God. Psalms 34, verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from half of my fears. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, did I misread that? Um, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all but one of my fears. No. Notice it says all, A-double-L. He delivered me from all my fears. There's no fear that he won't deliver you from. Amen. Jesus in, in John 14, 27, meeting with his disciples before his departure. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Notice, he goes on to say, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. This is a command from Jesus. The third point is the connection. The connection. This is, I believe, a component to winning over fear is connection. In fact, the church and your connection to it is a safe harbor against fear. When you're connected to the body of Christ, fear begins to lose its stronghold on you. When you gather among God's people in an atmosphere of faith, you're built up and you are enabled to conquer fear. So that we can become fearless, in a sense, when we're together, when we're worshiping, when we're serving, when we're encouraging one another. The church connection is so vital if you're going to overcome fear. So for those of you that are kind of, ah, this church thing, you know, I'm going to just kind of go here, there, everywhere. Get connected, get planted, get plugged in. On the 16th of this month, we have Refuge Life. If you've been attending, I encourage you to come check it out and see how you can get connected because I believe it will help you to win over fear. The scripture tells us in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's building his church. It's made up of people like you and me. 
And I believe that what he's doing is significant because he does not want us to be left out in the cold in a place of fear. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're encouraged through the Scripture to come together, to connect, to assemble, to do life together, in a sense. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so is it with Christ. We're individual members, but we're among the many, and we're one together. How beautiful that is. So uh, you don't have to face your fear alone when you're part of a church family. You don't have to face your fear alone when you're part of a church family. So again, these three points this morning, the contrast, the command, and the connection. As the worship team comes up here at this time, I want to share with you Hebrews 13, 5, and 6. Hebrews 13, 5, and 6. And uh, the scripture says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, it starts off by saying, keep your life free from the love of money. We need to do that. Be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So many times, those, those things you see up there, just money, all the things we deal in the world out there, uh, we struggle, we have issues, we contend with things. But God's promise is that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So those things don't have to be a dominant focus to generate fear in our life. Verse 5 goes on to say, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Notice it says, I will not fear what man can do to me. So we need to come to that place where as members of the body of Christ can make that declaration, I will not fear. We don't have to be afraid of the fear of man. The fear of man is intimidation. It's fear of rejection. It's fear of being misunderstood. Don't live in fear of what others think when you stand up for what is right. Are you facing fear? Are you confronting it? Don't ignore it. I'm going to extend an invitation to you for those of you that are here this morning, for those of, for those of you that have tuned online. If you have not made a personal commitment of your life to Jesus, I want to extend that invitation to you. Maybe you haven't devoted your life to Him. Maybe you haven't placed your faith in him, trusting him as your Lord and your Savior to receive from him forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life, to devote your life to him, to repent of your sins. You might be living for yourself. You might be living for another cause. And you may be estranged from God. You may not be living for God. But my invitation is for you to come to him today, to give your heart to him today. With every head bowed, Every eye closed, nobody looking around. I'm going to just ask if you're here today in the auditorium and you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God, but I'm willing in this moment to surrender to him, to invite him to come into my life and to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, just slip up your hand so I can see it. 
And we're going to pray together as a church family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand up together. Now this prayer, I call a believer's prayer, so I'm going to ask that you simply repeat after me. And as you do, make these words meaningful from your own heart and uh, allow Jesus to begin to take the throne of your heart as you open your heart to him. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. And I acknowledge that you sent Jesus, your son, to die on the cross for me. I believe that he rose from the dead to give me life, to give me forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you today. I repent for my sins. I ask that you make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Now talk to him in your own words. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your love and forgiveness. Father, I thank you for the entry point into your kingdom as we receive forgiveness of sins, as we receive the gift of eternal life that comes by our faith and trust in you, not of our works, but because of what you've done. We believe and we receive forgiveness of sins. We believe and receive the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. We're going to uh, take the next few minutes and uh, share communion together. Uh, at your seat, uh, there is a, um, the elements there, the uh, bread and the cup. And uh, there's a little thing about communion. Uh, if you had a chance to look at that, please do. But one of the things that we want to do when we partake of this communion is, is reconnect with God in a way that we can see your fears vanquished, removed, and eliminated. Now, does that mean you're never going to deal with fear again? No, it's going to show up its ugly face at your front door again. But we can deal with the fear now that is trying to dominate and control your life. And we can do that by calling to remembrance what Jesus did for us. The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter two, uh, let's see. In First Corinthians, it talks about uh, chapter eleven, actually, where the Apostle Paul is talking about communion and coming together as a body and celebrating what the Lord did for us. When Jesus met with his disciples at the Last Supper. He set in motion this thing that we celebrate as believers uh, called communion. It's really where we call to remembrance what Jesus did for us. It's a memorial for the work of the cross as we acknowledge Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's a call to remembrance that he died for us and that he gave his life for us. And out of gratitude, we re we, we basically reconnect in a way to honor him and acknowledge him for what he's done. 
And at the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. The body represents our union with God, that we're partakers of his nature, that we share in his life, not only individually between us and God, but corporately as a body of believers. The brothers and the sisters that are sitting among you today are partakers of the life of God. We share in this thing together the life, the love of God. And so let's pray as we partake of this bread. And the scripture says we're to examine ourselves to make sure to make sure there's no unforgiveness in our heart. If there's any unrepented sin, we, we confess that. We get that out of the way so that our hearts can be open and in tune to receive from him. Thank you, Father. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And as we prepare to partake of this bread, we acknowledge that this is to be done in remembrance of you, Jesus. Your death on the cross and how through giving of your life in sacrifice, we receive life from you so that we can live. Father, we share this together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you for the life, the strength, the healing that comes as we acknowledge you and call to remembrance what you did for us on the cross, dying for our sins, bearing the sickness and disease and the penalty of death so that we could receive the gift of eternal life. We now partake together with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and partake together. At the Last Supper, Jesus also took the cup and he made this declaration. He said, this cup is, is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. We understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But yet there is forgiveness because Jesus shed his blood for us. Under the old covenant, there was animal sacrifices. That was a type and shadow of the Lamb of God, Jesus, that would come to shed his blood for us. As we partake of this cup, we're going to pray. And, and what I want you to do, if, if there's anyone in your life that you have unforgiveness towards, if you have ought towards, if you have bitterness towards, you need to forgive them. Because in order to receive forgiveness, you need to release forgiveness. And because we've been forgiven, we now have the capacity to forgive every offense in every offender. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. It's a testimony of your love, of your life. It's a testimony of forgiveness of sins that we have received. As we acknowledge your forgiveness in our life, as we partake of this cup, we also choose as an act of our faith to release every offense and every offender. Father, we forgive those who've wronged us just as you've forgiven us. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's partake together. Let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to worship God again. At the end of the service, we're going to have the prayer team up here. And if you have any needs or prayer, they'll be available to pray for you. Now, I want to, as we stand, I want to pray a prayer because we're going to address the fear factor. 
okay, in your life. How many of you ever watched that show, The Fear Factor? Yeah, there's a fear factor, but we're going to address it right now. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this congregation, those that have tuned in online. And I pray that you deliver them from fear. In the name of Jesus, every stronghold, every lie of the enemy, for you have not given them a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Father, we embrace the command to fear not. And we thank you, Father, that we can stand free from the controlling influence of fear in our life. We break free by the authority of Jesus' name. We thank you that perfect love casts out fear. It drives it away. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, it's the contrast. What's the second one? The command. And finally, the connection. God bless you. Thank you so for being so attentive to the word this morning. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the Refuge Official Podcast. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to receive from the Lord today. If you chose to give your life to Jesus today or would like to find more of our content, we would love for you to get connected with us on our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing week. Thank you.